2: Welcome to another edition of Bumps and Thumps to Talk of Wrestling. I'm Brian Ferguson. My guest today has been a part of wrestling since she was born. Yes. She is a lifetime member of the Cauliflower Alley Club. Ladies and gentlemen, my pleasure to introduce Miss Mrs. Paige Von Hess-Sutherland. And I have my sidekick again today, Mr. George Shire. I Paige, thanks for coming on today. I really appreciate it. Thank you it.
1: for thank you so much for having me, guys. We,
2: it was uh, great to meet you at the Collie Alley Club reunion this past uh, August, yeah, uh, in Vegas. Yeah, I mean, I, I knew of you before. I had seen you uh, the year before, uh, and but you know, and now from what I understand. You are part of uh, the Queens at the CAC. You are the fourth member.
1: I certainly with, am.
2: With Barbara Goodish, Darlis Staggs, and Pamela Morrison.
0: You are the, What a trio. All of them yeah. are good friends of mine. Sweethearts. Yes. They are dolls. Oh, yes. They
1: sweet ladies. And I was yes. honored to be crowned after our Mike yep. seminar. I was just, I yeah. could not believe it.
0: Just make sure they don't get you into trouble.
2: <laughs> hey, wow. I know
0: all, I know all of them, and especially you know Darla. them very
1: well. <laughs> and I know Darla
0: especially; she's she's a sweetie. So she certainly
1: is. They all yeah. are wonderful ladies. She just yeah.
0: recently left Minnesota here. Just this past month, she retired from her job, and she took off, moved to Florida, and she's going to be down there with Barbara Goodish. So
1: I so love that. That's uh, a beautiful place to retire and with Barbara, like how much better can that be? <laughs>
0: right? Exactly. Yeah. Barbara Goodish is just a just a great lady, so oh. and Pam Pam Morrison too. Wow. Pam is good, oh, yeah. They're yeah. all,
2: they're all like great them. ladies.
0: The Queens yeah. are all good ladies. Absolutely.
2: <laughs> and now they're international for sure because you live in Canada. I know Barbara's originally from New Zealand, however she lives in the States. You live in Canada, so now they're truly International,
1: we certainly are. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Paige, let's
2: talk a little bit. You are the daughter of Kurt Von Hess. I didn't, I failed to mention that before. I want to get into if we could, Paige, about you growing up. What Mm -hmm. was that like? I mean, because your dad, uh, he was pretty, uh, he got a lot of heat uh in his day when he was when and when he was healed. He was one of the last ones that I from what I've read and understand. One of the last know.
1: ethnic heels,
2: yes. Yeah, ethnic heels. And what was that like for you growing up? What was
1: oh. Yeah.
2: Let, let's hear it. <laughs>
1: um my earliest memory of my dad uh was I didn't know he was a wrestler at all. I mean I was only five, maybe four or five my earliest memories. Um, He used to have an orange crush truck that he would, uh, a distributorship of uh, Frito-Lay orange crush. And that's what, because a lot of guys wrestlers back then had actual jobs and did this stuff on the weekends. And, you know, so I didn't know about all this until he came home one day and he took his hat off and he shaved his head. And back then men did not do that. Never. Like you just didn't see it. Today's, Society yet, everybody. You just does. lose
0: it naturally. Today. <laughs> they lose
1: it naturally, yes. But yeah. <laughs> so with my dad, he shaved his head off and he did his hair off. And um, he, when he took his hat off, I was playing out front, and I looked, and he, go, and he goes, "What do you think?" And I, and I'm like, "I, I, could, I couldn't <laughs> believe he did that," and I didn't know why, and I cried and cried, and I went in the house and. And my dad came in and comforted me, and he goes, "It's okay, I'm still your dad." And he was telling me about wrestling, and you know, I had not a clue what he did. Wow. So he, uh, yeah, he really he comforted me, and, and you know, it was it was just a very uh, uh, shocking thing to see your dad like that. And uh, yeah. from then on, he, I mean, he had already been wrestling for several years. Since since I was born, so yeah. my first so my memory is like four and five years old, and looking at this bald dude, and uh, he ended up uh, <laughs> um, turning into Kurt Von Hess. So prior to that, he was Big Bill Terry, and he worked uh, a lot of the Pittsburgh TV, and he used to work Toronto Maple Leaf Gardens, things like that, and Ohio towns. And then he turned it that when I saw him with the bald head, that was him turning into Kurt Von Hess. And uh, from there, we ended up uh, going on the road. And we were on the road for 10 years and moved 17 times. Wow. Uh, Yes, from the age of five. And we came home when I was 15.
0: Were you an only child or did you have other siblings? No.
1: I also have another sibling, Allison. She's two years younger than me. Okay. And uh, so my sister and I and my mother and my dad uh, packed up everything. Um, We'd lived in Hamilton our whole lives and my mom came from Scotland and uh, immigrated here and married my dad. And then from there we uh, went to Calgary. My dad was called out to Calgary by Stu Hart and uh, he went out ahead of time and then we went out and we had to ship everything out to Calgary. And when we got there, uh, it was in, I think, October of that year. He was in there in September. And by December, beginning of September, he was the champion. Oh, wow. Yes. And uh, he was only 29 years old. And Stu saw something in him that, uh, I mean, he had natural talent. He was trained well. And uh, he was trained by uh, Benny Lima, Jack Wentworth, and uh, Al Spittles, who were the three main uh, trainers here in Hamilton, Ontario. And uh, he uh, went out to Calgary and got that championship, which was really hard to do at that time, I realize Mm now. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: Well, and to have the uh, respect of Stu Hart, that alone, when he recognizes that he has talent, because we all know about the legendary Stu and his dungeon and his training and stretching of, of uh, wrestlers. So that is great. It is.
1: It is. And, and I do believe my dad was stressed. I think that was like a uh, a rite of passage for any wrestler that came oh, yeah. in. That is oh, yeah. true. That is true. Yeah. Yeah. And
0: um, Stu probably enjoyed it.
1: Love <laughs> loved every minute of it. My, I, I can't do it, but my dad used to do a really good impersonation of stew. <laughs> like I think no. everybody, a lot of guys did. <laughs>
0: well, if you throw a few or uh, what is it, S? How do you say that at the end of the sentence? A? It's okay. raining outside, Eight.
1: A- That's what a- I
0: remember of the...
1: Of Canadians? Yeah, yeah kind
0: of the stew hard thing.
1: Yes, we say yeah. a a lot, and we say sorry a lot. Oh. <laughs> if I don't say sorry ten times a day, I lose my passport. Oh, oh
3: wow. wow!
0: Well, and saying sorry is good. So. It
2: is. It is. Let me ask you this, Paige. Um, your interact interact. Inter- your dad was a Calgary, obviously champion young man. Uh, you and your sister were pretty young interaction with the hearts i'm not talking about Stu. i'm talking about all those kids you had like what 15 of them or something like that i think
1: oh there was yeah there's like 12 or 13 of them for sure yeah, i know
2: there's a lot of kids did you ever interact with them like i mean
1: uh, i did later in life i'm friends with diana Hart and okay. uh ross um i have met brett um but when i was younger um my dad used to go to Stu's house uh I don't know to talk about. I don't know what they were talking about because I was very clueless to what was going on in the wrestling. My dad kept it very very separate from our family life. And uh my dad uh had to go up to the house and uh he would take us along with him because we'd spend as much time as we could together when he wasn't working. And uh he would take us along for the ride. so we would go up to the house and I remember we were, it was winter. Yeah, very cold, and uh, we pulled up, and my dad went in to talk to Stu, and I was sitting in the back seats, and I'm assuming it's Owen or one of the younger kids. we uh, were in the window, and they're going like that at me, <laughs> and I'm like, well, I didn't, you know, do anything. I just kind of looked, and uh, my dad came out of the car, and he, I told him what happened. And uh, so I guess a few days later he told Stu, which I don't know why he would tell him. And I, whatever kid it was, he got punishment for that. Oh, <laughs> oh wow. Yeah, yeah. But he had a lot of respect for my dad. And, you know, to have yeah. respect to Stu Hart, which is one of the greatest promoters ever. Um, yeah. You know, my dad really um, made it young. And um, his uh, performance mm-hmm. was incredible. And just like uh any wrestler, you know, your your stay only lasts so long and yeah. you know we we were there about uh five, six months and then it was time to move on. So we ended up in Montreal and uh that's when the uh he was with Carl von Schott. Uh he met John Anson in Calgary. Okay. And uh John was a lot younger that was seven years younger than my dad or so and, uh, they seemed to team well together. Um, and my dad flew out to Montreal and, uh, with Earl Black, who was another, um, kind of heel bald dude and, uh, it didn't quite work out. And then John Anson came out and then my dad uh, and him created this, uh, Kurt Von Hath Carl Von Schatz tag team and, uh, were rivals for a number of months with, uh, the Rougeau brothers who were also the promoters.
0: Uh, yes. Yeah. You know, that was it's so great. interesting when you just mentioned uh, John Anson.
1: And yes.
0: I believe that was in his original, he was uh, Handsome John Anson.
1: That's from, correct.
0: When he had hair and he was, because uh, I have programs from him in the Portland territory.
1: Yeah, he's from the West Coast. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah.
0: And now and he lives know- on an
1: island somewhere. So. And I really
0: love what you said when you said you didn't know what your dad did and, and you kind no. of kept it all a secret and everything. And I can't tell you, Paige, how many times I hear uh, siblings of wrestlers that say that.
1: And, yeah. you know, that
0: just says your dad not only did his job well in those days because a lot of times families didn't know what, you know, they did and what yeah. it meant. And that was all part
1: mm-hmm. of that kayfabe
0: thing that, you know, it was... It just, was-
1: yeah, it was very strong back then. I mean, mm-hmm. I've educated myself as I've gotten older and, and, you know, now the internet and everything, so every, so much information is available. Right. Um, back then, you know, my dad kept it so separate because he was so afraid of, um, retaliation from fans, um, because it really got heated. Yeah.
3: Um,
1: he caused riots with Carl and, um, you know, he would have people follow him home and he'd have to talk them down and make them realize that this is my home life. Now you're interfering with, Um, you know, my dad had a very diplomatic way of, of talking people down. You know, he was a more calmer one. Carl was a bit of a wild card. Um, (laughs) He, uh, yeah, he was young and feisty. Whereas my dad had more uh, calmness about him and had to put on the, the, the heel term when he had to. But he was naturally yeah. just a nice guy, you know, um, very laid back, easygoing guy at home, you know. But at, at, as far as protecting us, you know, he didn't tell us a lot about the business. And if we didn't know about it, we couldn't talk about it. Sure. Sure. And back then, you, you yeah. can ask any of the children of the big stars from back then, uh, Pamela Morrison being one. She had no, we were not smartened up whatsoever on the business. And I only heard, you know, little tit tat here and there that kinda of clued me in. I mean I'm as you get older you're like, okay, well maybe that isn't real. I don't know. But my dad was coming home with rope burns, uh bruises, black eyes, uh knee <laughs> knee injuries, um uh mat burns, um uh obviously, you know, cut uh blood. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh cut. Yeah. um but he uh always um maintained a good family home for us always, like he would turn off when he walked in the door yeah. and, you know, uh, what, and one of the fine. things
0: that one of the things that I always thought was so interesting is because he's playing a bad German, an evil German, and back in that era, still in that era, you know we weren't as politically correct and. Uh, sensitive to it like we are today as a society and we should be i mean it's you couldn't pull that stuff off today and the fact that the fact that your dad was able to become that german that hated german that drew so much anguish from the fans and hatred um it's it's dangerous i mean you know and so i totally understand why he came home the way he did and said hey you don't know what I'm
1: doing, I'm gonna leave it that way. I totally agree. And I'm glad he did because if I'd have known, um, I don't think it would have been very good. Yeah. Um he would he would have felt more uh he felt at ease when we let knew last He just wanted us to go to school, meet meet friends, which we didn't get to have friends for very long. Um, My sister was more outgoing than I am, so um, I was more bookish, and, you know, I kept to myself. But um, he really worried about us girls and my mother, of course, you know, being um, around that environment. And we rarely got to go to matches. I, I used to watch them on TV. Wow.
0: Okay. Okay. Yeah. Did you have any instances where the, a kid or kids at school did know that he was your dad, or was that really successfully kept from them, and you didn't have to worry about any retaliation or?
1: Uh, no, I always got found out. Uh, oh. I was saying that in the seminar. Um, somehow, I mean, wrestling was so. Uh, it was crazy back then. I, yeah. I I don't know how else to say it. And Especially, yeah. especially whatever territory we into made the difference. So mm-hmm. um, when we were in Montreal, it was very sheltered. We didn't see much of anything because that was really dangerous wrestling. That was, like, bloody and uh, violent and a uh, shoot, uh, you know, a lot of times. Uh, it, and my dad refused to let us see that. And... Uh, so Montreal was probably the best place as far as a shelter, and we were much younger then too. But as we got older, you know, he, uh, I, when I would go to school, I wouldn't tell anyone, uh, at all. And somehow somebody would find out. Uh, mm-hmm eventually they would find out uh they would see me together with him you know at the gas station or something one little like one little thing and then all of a sudden go to school on the next day and everybody go I didn't know your dad was Perpon Hess and it's just like and I had mixed uh you know I I I said in the seminar you know a lot of boys uh, young boys were totally enamored with that they could not believe that my dad was a wrestler what's that like and they were so curious But there were a few times where uh, I had difficulty at school, uh, changing schools so much, but also with friends and and actually girls um, would challenge me um, to fight. Oh, boy. Just because of who my dad is. And, uh, you know, I had a really bad fight uh, that I did not, uh, I would never initiate a fight. I'm a very easygoing, I'm a lot like my dad, actually. Very easy going, but not the wrestling part. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you're really but, a hated uh, German and you're not telling us.
1: Yes, yes, deep down. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I did have one challenge in Nashville. My dad was uh, um, the assassin at the time with Randy Colley, mm-hmm. and he was assassin number two, and he was working for in Nashville. So that would have been for uh, Jerry Jarrett, I believe. Right. Yep, sure, and sure. Uh, so, yeah, and uh, I used to ride the school bus, um, and uh, anyway, this girl challenged me on the bus. She said, your Kurt, yes. your Kurtz has his daughter, show me, show me what you can do. And she pushed me and shoved me, and oh, to the point God. I went out of the, off the bus, and she got off at my stop, and uh, she beat the living car out of me. Oh, my. Oh, God. no. That's, that's sad. She broke my oh. nose. She broke my finger. Um, really? Yeah, yeah. It was a, just a. It was a really. Oh, it was a horrible thing. Um. So, long story short, she got suspended for a week. This girl, and she was unsupervised. Her father was a truck driver. No mom around. So she was a bit of a wild girl yeah. to begin with. She she wanted that and uh you know i I ended up getting suspended as well, just to keep me home uh away from that for a while and um, my dad's always brought us up to not uh, uh discriminate whatsoever when we I- we've met a lot of people in our life um you know fans uh people at school, people in our community. And what happened was uh, this girl ended up um, continuing to antagonize me to the point my mom had to get involved. And my, my dad really couldn't, uh, given his position, it's, it, it doesn't look good, um, you know, having this big monster of a guy come in and, you know, intimidate this girl who is probably 12 or 11. And uh but, yeah, she she really did some damage, and uh, I was just crushed. And that's I think that's a point when my dad really realized how wrestling was starting to affect my life. Yeah. And uh, that was the start of him starting to plan for us to come home and have, you know, me be in high school and, and my, my sister as well. And have a normal life here back in Canada because we've been on the road so long.
0: Yeah.
1: Now, your dad. Uh... <laughs> but this girl just. Um... So when I went back. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was I just was... going to say when I went back to school, mm-hmm. this uh, so the uh, the the these girls um, of color really liked me, and you know, and that's what I was getting back to is the discrimination. My dad, I I looked at everybody the same. Um, yeah. Just love everybody. Which is
0: good.
1: It's such a good quality to have, and yeah. my dad instilled that in my sister and I. And uh, so when I went back, these girls of color got this girl. And she got Oh, boy. She got it back. Oh,
2: so, yeah. <laughs>
1: and I said, don't you ever go near her again.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: well, well, God, God bless them for that. Me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I want to ask you I, I read uh,
2: your dad had retired. Uh, in the 70s, was it?
1: No, he retired in... Um, it was listed as 1986, but it's actually okay. 1989. 89. Yeah, it was... Okay. He was working in Virginia.
3: Mm-hmm. Okay.
2: So you're older then. But, I mean, as you went through high school, uh, college, uh, were you were you more involved, I guess? Were you kind of, with your dad, like... After high school, I'm assuming, you know, you're an adult now and, and you're going to school. Yeah. Um, but did you get involved anything in the business-wise or, like, help him or promote him or something like that or, or not really or?
1: No, not at all, actually. He wouldn't, he wouldn't, uh, he wouldn't even talk about uh, very much about wrestling at home. Uh, I would just hear through phone calls and things like that. But he, no, I never got involved. He never allowed me to. Um I don't even know if I would have at the time because he was his own manager. He, for all for many years, he did everything himself. Yeah. You know, in the early days, he had, you know, Eddie Creechman or George Cannon because he wasn't quite good on the mic yet. Yeah. But as soon as he got back, he didn't need the manager anymore. He just needed a partner. Yeah. So from that, he ended up, uh, you know, having quite a career but yeah he uh he really um didn't uh ask too much of me, although my sister was uh misbehaving one summer and uh he took her on the road because my mother was so sick and tired of her driving us crazy and uh he so he took her on the road and made her sell programs for and it was a um i don't know if you know of it da- you know of dave McKitney.
0: yeah
1: uh, yep, the, bear the bear man, man.
0: the bear mm-hmm. man. Yep.
1: Right. So that summer, my dad worked for the Bear Man, and they went all up in Northern Ontario, and she was gone for like two, three months, my sister Allison, and uh, my dad's trying to straighten her out. And uh, she loved it. But yeah, <laughs> I had, I, she loved it. Yeah, yeah. And my mother needed a break.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. Um, so, I think your dad mostly worked Canada. I mean, I know he worked the states some, but was his main hub uh, Ontario, Winnipeg. Uh, no, nope. uh, no. Well, he was in the Detroit territory. With Detroit was his, his main
1: spot. spot.
2: Yes. Okay, Detroit was his main spot. Okay, yeah. yeah. I read so, that, but you know, you got to check. You
3: got to check facts. Oh check.
1: yeah, no, I understand. You know, um Carl and my dad um were in Montreal uh in 72 and the Sheik came there for this big event at Jari Park which had 27,000 people attend. It was an outdoor event. The previous week the Rolling Stones uh they beat their their uh numbers. Wow. Uh so they were at this and and of course the Sheik started a riot. He was, like, up against Johnny Rougeau or Jacques Rougeau. I'm not sure. And uh, he ended up, uh, my dad and uh, Carl had to go into and get the Sheik out. Because yeah. he was getting, there. because once they go crazy, that's it. You're, it's done. Like, yeah. you you have to get out.
3: Yeah. And
1: uh, my dad, and this, is, and this is a story I've heard from Carl. I didn't even hear this from my dad. So um, my dad didn't share too many stories. Um, but uh, Carl said that uh, um, they were sent in by one of the Rougeaux's to get uh, the chic out of there, and it was getting pretty bad. Things were flying, and, you know, so they got him back. And uh, the chic had known my dad in shots, or I say shots, but Carl for quite some time, for you know, for a while. Uh, right. They were making a name for themselves uh, in Montreal, and uh, the Sheik said, you got to come and work for me. And uh, sure enough, they were there by October of 72, maybe November, and uh, they ended up winning five times for the tag team,
3: oh, NWA gosh.
1: Detroit. Yeah. Um, and my yeah. dad won once with Carl von Brauner. Um, so my dad actually has six NWA oh, okay. uh, tag team title Detroit version. Yeah. Wow. So, wow. Yeah and he worked for him for a number of years um until it went a bit south and you know so other options were coming forward i know the U- yeah. UWA UWA had started and my dad also had a uh, opportunity to go down to the Carolinas and work for IWA and uh, uh Eddie Einhorn mm-hmm. and uh Jim or, or Johnny Powers uh along with um Ron Martinez yeah. And uh they ran the AIWA and he was quite successful down there too. He was with uh um oh gosh, I can't remember now. He had so many partners. <laughs>
3: yeah.
1: But yeah. uh yeah. so we did a lot in the in the south, uh yeah. the US.
2: Let me ask you this, Paige. Um when the expansion was going on with WWF when vince jr had taken over Hmm. impacted a lot of wrestlers a lot of promotions you know the territory days how what was that like for you and your family your dad did it did he ever say anything about it i mean i know you didn't talk much but i mean by then you were older yeah, and I don't know if he ever said anything like, you know, I can't believe this guy's doing this, or if he's like, this might be good for the business, or what was his, as far as you know, what was his uh, opinion on the matter?
1: Well, early days, my dad worked for Vince Senior, um, not not consistently, but you know, certainly, um, you know, you can take a trip for a week to New York and come back, and you know, just do some shoot ma- some matches, and and you know, mm-hmm. just. Um, you that know, was and, when and he Kurt, was
0: Bill Carey, right?
1: Uh, that's when he was Kurt Von Hess as well. Oh, he was. Well,
0: he was. Okay. Okay. Yeah.
1: So, um, the, my dad would always say, you know, and a lot of other wrestlers used to say, "If I could only get in the New York office, that's all mm-hmm. they want." Yeah. And uh, you know, a lot of guys who had major talent, including my dad, were turned away. And, uh, you know, my dad went on to other promotions and as the years went on and then the early 80s, mid 80s, uh, when the takeover happened, um, my dad, that was career ending for my dad almost, you know, it's, uh, he went in and was, uh, he did a, a few matches for Vince Jr. And um, basically he was treated like uh, enhancement. Mm-hmm. And he wasn't. You know he was Probably he was one. more than that he was more than that
2: yeah. it was much uh-huh. more than that uh, He certainly
1: was. So I was just talking to uh terry uh j h who runs the maple leaf wrestling uh site here, and he said this morning to me know even with with maple Leaf wrestling, the same thing happened um you know he wasn't put over, and he should have been. Um, he was, uh, you know, just one of those guys that he could fit into anything and he would, you know, and he had the good ring, uh, psychology and, um, he had the experience and, um, had been in every Terry territory, except for AWA, which he never did. And, uh, a couple of other small promotions, but most, most of the major territories, he was there.
0: Well, and you know, Paige, what you're, what you're describing is, is what most of the wrestlers felt when that expansion and that takeover that Vince Jr. did. You know, we had all these wrestlers from all these territories that had so much talent and so much to give to the business yet. And there just weren't enough places for them. And Vince was more content on embarrassing people at that point and only making stars of guys that he wanted to go with his, with his expansion route. And so, you know, good wrestlers, they'd come in and be, you know, you're going to job for this guy or that guy and, and I don't have room for you in my territory because – and then as he's taking the territories down, there's no place for these wrestlers to then go to. And that's no. what made that whole thing so sad.
1: It was yeah. sad. And my dad was – my my dad was sad about it. Yeah. It it, just, it was career crushing because those territories, that was his bread and butter and you know he couldn't go back to them because it was all bought up and conglomerated into one big thing. And you're absolutely right when you say that I saw guys go. I've seen matches where they are humiliated, humiliated, and it really upset me back then. When I, I just saw a match recently of my dad wrestling um, with. Uh, um, one of the uh, the uh, some Bichons, uh Paul Vachon, and my dad, and it, and it was the, the Blue Demons. And these guys are like veterans. And, you know, and it was like 1983, 84, and uh, Vince brought them in and put them on TV and did, made these Blue Demons look like they're like the be-all, end-all, and here's these two guys who could out-wrestle anybody.
3: Yeah.
1: And we're so tough, you know. Yeah. And, uh, but it was all at his direction, and then my dad had enough. You know, he says, I'm not going to be – he would walk away before he would be humiliated. Yeah.
0: Boy, I've heard guys say that to other wrestlers that uh, they did. They just decided to leave the business rather than let this happen at the end like this. Yeah. My dad yeah. actually
1: retired for about – it sounds – sounds, but this is wrestling, don't forget. Eight yeah. months. <laughs> he took eight months off. And tried to do a regular job. And, uh, you know, he was just so um, disheartened by the whole thing. And uh, he tried to do that straight, the, the normal life. And uh, he ended up back in it again. And, uh, you know, as soon as he got a lead and, you know, and he was back down into uh, Mid-South for Bill Watts, So, yeah. yeah, and that's where he ended his career. Okay. Wow. I tell you, yeah, it uh – like
2: George said, it's just it so sad how everything went down. I I always have felt even as a kid, you know, when because I, I was I grew up in Wisconsin, you know, George is in Minnesota, uh, but I watched AWA, you know, Vern Gagne. I mean, every Sunday morning uh before church, it was on. Uh and I would watch it. Some people didn't
0: could. go to church to watch yeah. That was more important. Yeah. Well, I had to be
2: careful because my,
1: my parents – was like church. <laughs> it was.
0: Uh, my parents
2: weren't fans of it, so uh, I had to be very careful. When they'd see it on, they'd turn the channel. But it was at my grandma's, I was good. My grandma let me watch it and my dad and mom couldn't say anything because it's my grandma's, you know, and that's my mom's mom. So, I, yeah. Anyway, what my point is is that I just felt like, uh, you know, like your guys like your dad and others that were kind of put out to pasture because of whatever reason and they didn't have any other opportunities because he's putting everybody else, you know, either out of business or buying them up.
3: Yeah.
2: And I feel like even now today, uh, and maybe you can expand on this more. That you got two or three big ones now. You got Impact up in Canada, that's a big one up there. Yeah. And then you got WWE here and AEW. The, the, that's the that's the three.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Everything else is, you know, indie, which is not a bad thing. Indie, yeah, Indies are great. Don't get me wrong, but I'm saying they're not on TV. They're not, you know, they're not getting that exposure. What is your opinion on that today as far as do you watch the product or do you just kind of like just watch your dad's old videos and some other old ones on YouTube? or What do you do do with that?
1: You know what? um, First of all, before my dad passed away in 1999, he was obviously watching the Attitude Era. Mm -hmm. Uh, So at that point he was disappointed that there weren't proper wrestling moves, lots of sex, um, lots of storylines rather than wrestling. Um, I mean, Dad was old school. Everything was old school. You go in you know, the, we'd, he didn't practice before wrestling match. He didn't do, uh, right, you know, maybe he would have written down a few notes or whatever, you know, what is going to happen. Um, but, you know, other than that, he was very, he just knew what he had to do. And, you know, back then yeah. those guys just got in the ring and did their thing. Um, exactly. So, he didn't like it. It was so choreographed. And, yeah. um you know, obviously for TV you have to do that and during that era. But he yeah. really was disappointed. But yeah. at the same time, he watched it every
0: week. Yeah. <laughs> go ahead. One, go ahead. Of <laughs> things, one of the things that uh, you mentioned earlier, Paige, is, you know, that you had moved – 17 different times and you were in these territories and right there you're explaining how the business was when we had all these various territories around the country where Mm -hmm. there were uh, probably 3000 wrestlers that were making money and could go when they got old or stale in a certain territory they could move on to another one there was a place to go sometimes they did it out of necessity and then when that territorial system was taken apart, now they didn't have a place to go. If they didn't work for Vince, they didn't have a place to work or at least a place to go to make a decent living. That's and right. you've just described it best. Plus how hard it was for you as a child growing up where you're in the different school every year, not forming solid friendships, which is basic to a childhood. Um You have my, my empathy with that. It's, Yeah.
1: It wasn't easy. No, it wasn't. But we didn't know any other way. Exactly. We were brought up very young in the wrestling business. Well, away from the wrestling business, but in it. I don't, I could, I mean, I used to have uh, friends like in Montreal, their dads were wrestlers. We didn't know their dad or they didn't know my dad. We were just friends. Yeah. Um, You know, my dad could have been in the ring with her dad that night and beaten the crap out of him. I don't know. (laughs) But we had, yeah, very hard to keep friendships. Um, The most dearest friendship I had was with um, um, Afa, the wild Samoan's daughter, uh, Monica. Uh, I mentioned that also in my seminar and how I have a great relationship with Afa. He is my dad's. Uh, when my dad passed away, he came to me. We've been friends for many, many years. We used to live in the same territory, same houses, hotels, whatever. We we'd, we were like gypsies living together. It was just a wonderful time in the 70s and, you know, just so free. And, you know, we just would go around as a big family. It would be Afa and Tika and their wives and, and their mm-hmm. kids and but Monica and I, that was probably the most solid friendship I had as a child um, because she could relate to the, the way we lived yeah. and uh, we could relate to each other. I, I, I didn't yeah. have anyone who could understand the way I lived. Yeah. Very hard to explain to somebody. <laughs>
3: yeah.
2: Wow. Well, I, I tell you, I was in the military 26 years. We probably moved about, quite a few times. I don't know if it was seventeen, but it was probably close and uh it's hard on a kid. Even in that business, you know, it's hard and I can imagine I I gotta say, uh for you, I mean, moving around that much, uh you're so bubbly and very happy and and positive and and that's great because some kids unfortunately take a different path when they get older and, and go left instead of straight or right. And so I, I commend you and I commend your mom and dad for treating uh, me like sure. that. So.
1: I had very protective, loving parents um unfortunately, they're both passed away now. God bless them um yeah. but um, they uh ruled they were like our protectors, you know, they watched over us, you know if my and my dad was absent a lot too, so you have to keep that in mind, you know so my mother would have to um really watch what's going on, you know because yeah. It's such a dangerous business, and back then, no political correctness, no manners, yeah. nothing. You know, we had one time where, you know, it was uh, we weren't allowed to go to the matches very often. And uh, the one time in Cloverdale, B.C., we were working. My dad was working for um, Gene Kineski. and uh, he ended up uh, having a match uh, with um, Sika, the wild Samoan. And uh, it turned into pretty pretty bad. And uh, we would always go out to the car ahead of time and, and um, somebody would let us know from the back, hey, you better get to the car, you know, because it, it, it's all about timing, you know, just make sure yeah. we're safe, get out. You know, and we were sitting in the car and we see my dad running out of the door with a trail of people behind him throwing cups of urine and garbage and lit cigarettes and you know, um, and him still in his gear, um, you know, just and blood coming down his head from the match. And, uh, you know, he got to the car and got in the car barely. And, uh, yeah. then they started rocking the car. I thought it was going to go over on the side. And some some police and some other workers, wrestlers came out and, uh, you know, got them away. And uh, we took off. And I just remember looking at my dad, seeing this garbage all over him and how smelly he was. And I thought, oh, my God, he was just so humiliated. But it's the nature of the business.
0: I was going to say, unfortunately, that was the nature of the beast back then. Yeah.
1: He did his job. He he did his job well because he was so hated. Yeah. People loved to hate him. I have yeah. people today saying, I hated your dad. <laughs> I hated him with all my everything. Like, they just, and they, but they're, yeah. they're so respectful to me as a daughter. Mm-hmm. And I mm-hmm. continue to, um, you know, praise him and, and make sure that he is um, out there and, and well known yeah. for his accomplishments. Yeah. You know,
0: it isn't often that I say this or that I have said this, but you know, back in that era when, when they were living that gimmick, yeah. be it the ethnic villain or heel, and so hated, and they got over so well with it. And as you say, they were so hated. Yes. Yeah. Um, in, in a lot of ways, it's better today that the business is open as it is because now people are able to understand that it's like an actor on TV. They're playing a part. That's and right. that they may not be that persona, that bad guy that you know they're perceived to be and want to be during that that wrestling card. Yeah,
1: yeah. I find I, the in answer my era,
0: in my era. That's what it was. You had to you had to get over it and be hated and do it well. Do it
1: well, and that's the thing. If my dad heard booze, you know, and and you know them, you know, really digging into them. That's money to him. Yeah, exactly. That's that's music to his ears when he hears that because that's money. And people yeah. don't realize that. So I yeah. I would go, to, I very rarely go to the masses. But when I had gone, I'd see him in there and, you know, he just had this way about him where he would scare everybody. He'd just come in and have this his eyes bulging out and he would just pick, he'd find a kid in the audience, a little boy, maybe 10, 12. And he would hold on to this the tag rope, and he'd just look over at him, and he'd just keep looking at him. And then it got worse and worse. And he'd get to the point he'd make the kid cry. And <laughs> and the parents <laughs> consoling the kid, and it's just like, that's him doing his job.
3: Yeah, yeah. Because that kid's wow. going to go
1: watch him on TV and remember that. Yeah. And tell his friends. So that, it was all by word of mouth back then.
2: Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I tell you, um, I agree with George. The only thing I think today that's not good is if you're in a feud with somebody, right, and then they do the match or whatever, and then 20 minutes later, uh, they're on social media, you know, arm around each other and, you know, uh, great match, you know, blah, blah, blah. That's the only thing I don't.
0: Well, I don't care for that at all either. I, I mean, I,
2: I no, I'm just pointing that out because yeah. I think today it, it's uh, it's I don't know how to say it, uh, but it's not as good as it used to be, in my opinion. Too, you know, I'm 52 years old. I grew up in the 80s, late 70s, 80s, watching this, and I've seen it makes takes much a turn in my adolescence, you know, making this huge turn. And, you know, the Attitude Era, like when your dad or your dad watched it and stuff. And I was in my 20s then, late 20s. I didn't really care for it either. I thought it was a little too much. I mean, this is about wrestling, not guys trying to get girls and do inappropriate things on television.
3: That's another channel. No, no. That's
2: another. That's another channel at another program at a later time in the evening. That that stuff can be done.
3: Mm-hmm. But um, yeah. Anyway, what
2: I wanted to say, what I wanted to ask you one more thing before we go, unless George has anything, is that what are you up to now? Are you, you know, are you doing anything with the business, or do you watch it, or or what's going on with with Paige Von Hess Sutherland?
1: Uh well right now I I do keep up on matches because you know I I always i, I found that you know I'm, since my dad's passed I just dug in and found information on him as much as possible in his career. Uh and and with that I end up catching other stories and then it comes to today and um you know we have uh you know a lot of second third generation wrestlers that come from my dad's era, you know, they're they're the kids' kids and you know and such, you know, like Cody Rhodes or whoever. And, you know, I just watched some of it out of interest. I don't watch it regularly. I just watch little clips. Um but I, I have to say my dad would be even more disappointed today, like you say about the you know, the arms around each other. I went to an independent match not long ago and I was in the audience and I am so used to old school wrestling and when I saw this I thought my dad would just Lose his mind over this um, wrestler. We're, so we're all seating to watch this match, and the wrestler, two wrestlers who are about to to have a match, were out talking to fans in the audience before the show. And I'm like, where's the mystery here? Where's the the magic? You know that I know, I know. it wasn't there. And it, yeah. it really that was disappointing. And my dad would, you know, I would never see him when he entered an arena. And if I was at the match, I would not see him at all. Like he would, yeah. he would peek behind the the curtain and give me a wink. That was it, because uh, I knew he was there. <laughs> yeah,
2: right. Yeah.
1: Otherwise, he didn't communicate. He didn't even acknowledge. We we didn't, um, we went into a match, we'd go into, we'd sit in the audience and we were not allowed, that's when we were not allowed to say anything. We kept our mouths shut and that's the only way we would get to come back again. Otherwise, because he was so afraid of somebody coming at us. But, you know, the magic is gone completely. There's no heel, baby face situation anymore, I find. I find it's just like... You guys getting ready, and the skill itself. uh, uh You know, I. have uh, I won't. Yeah.
2: I won't. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let it out. <laughs>
1: where, where, where are the moves? Where, where
0: are they?
2: Well, you know, and you know Paige,
0: You know, when you talk about all of this, back in that era with kayfabe and making it real, living it real for the mm-hmm. fans.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Any promoter in a territory, they would. They would literally fine or or get rid of wrestlers if they broke that kayfabe. And if you had two wrestlers that were on opposite sides and you're in the middle of a program together and you're seen together, you know, that wasn't, that wasn't good and you're gone because you've just broken the whole code of secrecy.
1: It happened to us. My dad, when we were in Calgary, my dad had an angle with, I mentioned this in the seminar, um, John Quinn and him had an angle going. Mm -hmm. And my dad and John Quinn were very good friends. We didn't, we obviously were kept away from everything. So we didn't know. And we're having dinner at this little restaurant in downtown Calgary and with John and my dad and um these fans come around and they start pounding on the window and they see us and like what are you guys doing to get like really upset and we had to get moved my dad ended up going to the back of the restaurant so he wasn't seen at all and then we Mm -hmm. all moved to the back because they went mental and you know Stu was really really ticked off about that i'm sure yeah
3: yeah
1: like that's how secretive it was yeah i didn't even know (laughs)
0: Well, I don't know if you've ever heard of the wrestler Eddie Sharkey.
1: Eddie Sharkey?
0: Eddie um, Sharkey. He was a really good good hand and, and wrestler in the 60s. And he trained a lot. He trained the road warriors and people like that. But Eddie made a comment. He said that his own parents went to their graves believing that what he did in the ring was real. He said that's how much it was instilled into him that you don't blow the whistle. You don't yeah. talk about. It. No. Yeah. And I think that pretty well sums it up.
1: I yeah. agree. It was almost like a um a lot of people compare wrestling in the that era with the kayfabe um to a, a brotherhood like a mafia. Oh yeah.
0: Oh yeah. Oh,
1: yeah. Sa- yeah same yeah. uh um uh Way of thinking, um, the way you protected each other in the business, same thing. Mm -hmm.
2: Yeah.
1: Very, very, uh, very quiet. Yeah. Yeah.
0: All right. Well, George, you have anything to answer? No, I I think we've pretty much covered it. I, I'm delighted that we had a chance to meet, and I agree with Brian. You're very bubbly and upbeat, and I love sharing, you know, hearing your stories because.
1: Thank you. I've got a million of them. (laughs) Well,
0: maybe you come on again some other time if you want to discuss more.
1: I certainly can.
2: Yeah, I appreciate it. One more time, ladies and gentlemen, the daughter of Kurt Von Hess, Paige Von Hess Sutherland. Ma'am, thank you for coming on today. The newly inducted fourth queen with the CAC... (laughs) trio of Darla Staggs, Barbara Goodish, and Pamela Morrison. Thank you for coming on today. We really appreciate it.
1: Thank you, Brian. Thank you, George. I really appreciate your time.
2: Thank Thank you. you. Thank you. All right, folks, if you're watching, thank you. If you're listening, thank you. And if you haven't subscribed, please do so, and we will talk to you soon.
3: Hey, this is Total Package Lex Luger. You're listening to the VOC Nation. Don't miss out.
0: BOC Nation's own Stroh Maestro suffered a major medical and financial catastrophe this year from the BOC Nation family. To all of you, please continue to pray for Stro Maestro for his continued recovery. You can also donate to his cause, paypal.me slash
3: The worldwide leader in entertainment. This is the VOC Nation Radio Network. Check out In the Room every Tuesday night at 9. Listen in. Pro Wrestling Illustrated's Brady Hicks, former WCW star Stro Maestro, Cassie Fitz, Matt Grimm. And you and later are there too, right, Ray? We sure are, and we've got great guests like Lex like Luger, AJ Styles, Taku,
1: and more. It's a heck of a party. What?
3: I didn't get thrown off uh, buildings? And then an uh, nothing get broken either. Sometimes I think it gets so ridiculous.
0: We were getting into like snuff film territory there
3: in the room. 9 p.m. Eastern on VOC Nation. Yo, this is Jerry Stein with the Nasty Boys. Yeah, Brian Knobs nah, here. You get get nasty. Well, listen to the VOC Nation, baby.
2: Richard Steamboat, Ding, Mick Foley, Joey Styles, Howard Finkel, and so many more. Listen live at VOCnation.com and subscribe to all the podcasts by searching VLC Nation Radio Network on your favorite podcast app. And be sure to follow these guys on Twitter, at VLCNation.
3: Phil After has been in the pro wrestling business for over 50 years. Hey, Tony here with uh, Arn Anderson. Arn, first of all, your height and weight. 6'1",
2: Well, I think, uh, <laughs> I don't
3: know what to say, but I I want to say one thing. Bruno was an LA champion. Hear exclusive interviews with the greatest performers of all time. This is Galater, and once again, we're speaking here with Bruno you know, San Latino. Bruno, you know, first of all, how did you and Bruiser lose that title to the Valiant?
2: Well, actually, it was a, a a very unusual loss, if you want to call it a Does loss. Did have anything to do Well, yes, but the whole thing is this. If you rules, as I always understood and wanted to use the title could only be lost by pin or,
3: or submission, which is the same rules as uh, my title, the World War Wrestling Federation. That's nice. Uh, it was... To sign up, it's very simple. Head to premium.vocnation.com or go to patreon.com slash vocnation. Voc Nation takes you behind the scenes of the greatest moments in pro wrestling history.